This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. scripture that you've heard the most in your entire life would probably be this scripture. You've seen it written on uh, under people's hats or on people's shoes, tattooed on their arms. And for just a moment, I want you to hear the power in these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Will you say those two last words with me? Say everlasting life. Everlasting life. Realize the power in those two words. Your life by believing in Jesus Christ is everlasting. That's not real deep this morning, but it's something that we don't really think about a lot. No sickness, no disease can keep you from lasting. Your body cannot keep you from lasting. By accepting Jesus into your heart, your years are everlasting. May you not have to think, I've survived another year as we come to the close of 2018. May you recognize that your years are everlasting. Father, we thank you as we begin this sermon today thinking of our lives being everlasting, not because of who we are, but because of what your son did away in a manger. May we get beyond the concern of, did I water the tree? Do I have enough gifts? Do I have the meal prepared? Are the chiefs going to beat the raiders? May we get beyond those thoughts for just a moment and focus on Jesus who came away in a manger so that you and I can have everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. Give you a little history on this song. Away in a Manger was published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in 1885. At first they had believed that it was written by Martin Luther the great father of Reformation, but uh, over time they begin to find otherwise, and so it's a mystery as to who wrote this song, but there's no mystery that it has touched the hearts and lives of lots of people since 1885, including this morning as these children sang that song. That's really hard to beat. But if you ever think about the fact that there was an innkeeper that played a big part in this song ever being written, Away in a manger. The only reason it's away in a manger is because the innkeeper didn't realize who he was saying no to when he had this couple standing there saying, do you have room? 
and he said, no room. If only he had realized who he was speaking with, he probably would not have turned them away. He would have found room. He would have kicked somebody out if he had to, to make room. Now, I have a crazy sense of humor. I'll be the first to tell you that. I believe God has a sense of humor because we're created in his image, and I have a sense of humor, so I think he does too. So what I'm about to tell you is not in the Bible, but in my mind, this is how I play this out. Could you imagine this innkeeper getting to heaven and after having said no to Mary and Joseph, I can just see him walking up to the gate and God kind of looking over at Peter like, hey, watch this. And as the innkeeper steps up and God's like, you remember that couple that you said no room to? Yeah, well, no room. That's what I've got for you, no room, you know. And then he's like, oh, come on in, you know. Just I, That's just what I see. And the innkeeper's probably like, I just didn't know, you know. I, I don't know. I play that out in my head. But obviously, the innkeeper did not know. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you want to make room for Jesus in your life, you're going to have to exclude something. You're going to have to kick something else out. You have to displace someone or something to keep room for Jesus in your life. Now, it's kind of sad that we have to talk about it in that way. Really, if we were to think it through, Jesus should be the center of our life and we make room for everything else. But what I want to tell you this morning is it's very easy, especially as busy as time and life gets at the end of the year. It's very easy to fill our lives with everything. And I'm telling you, someone or something may have to be put to the side to make room for Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't be the innkeeper. Don't miss that opportunity to make room for Jesus. Make room for, I mean, leave out the eggnog. I, I've never understood. Have you ever been in July and just craved eggnog? Anybody? Weirdo, weirdo, weirdo. <laughs> I don't get it. Leave out the eggnog. Make room for Jesus, okay? That, if, you, for, leave, if you leave with anything, picture leave out the eggnog and make room for Jesus. We're done. That's <laughs> easy. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now, I don't know, I know why Luke puts this in here. It's interesting that Luke tells us this. He's letting us know why they're coming to Bethlehem. It's because of the census. But I don't think that's the only reason he mentions Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the ruler at this time. And Augustus was the emperor, and he was known for bringing peace to the world. I believe there's a bit of a comparison going on here as this emperor of peace, although he's still a dictator, what he would do as, as he was going from city to city or village or town, he would send people ahead of him. And they would come into these towns and they would announce good news, good news, the emperor of peace is coming. The king is coming. And they would announce that Caesar Augustus was coming to town and they would let everyone know. And here we have Augustus wanting the census uh, he's wanting to know how many people are under his rule. I believe that's an act of pride. I believe it's an act of dominion as to say I'm the king over this amount of people. And while he's sitting in his big palace awaiting the results of his census, a new savior, 
was being born. One with totally different motives. One with a peace like they've never known before. Luke paints a great picture for us that this Savior, this King, will be quite different than anything the world has ever seen. And I can only imagine in those days, all these people had heard for 700 years. Since the prophecy in Isaiah that this virgin birth was going to happen. But even though it's mentioned as a virgin birth, I would picture it happening totally different. If we're talking about a king that's coming, I think of it more like what Jesus is going to do in Revelation when he comes again. You, you imagine this, this dude running, you know, rolling in on a white horse with flaming eyes of fire to come in and take over the world. That's kind of what I would picture. I would see that I would never expect him to happen through this little baby being born away in a manger. I'm sure they imagined it differently as well. But instead, this little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head with no bed at all, in a stable with donkeys and sheep, a carpenter for a dad, and a virgin mother, just a teenager. It, make no mistake here, though. As we sing the little Lord Jesus, there is nothing little about him. He is God in flesh. To this baby, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. And God could have easily just spoken a word and salvation would have been brought to all of us. Think about this. It didn't have to happen the way he brought it about. All he had to do was just say the word and we could have salvation. His mere presence. He could have just showed up and because of all of his splendor and all his glory, right then and there we could just be saved. But he had a plan. He had something else in mind. He loved us so much that he sent his son to be born away in a manger. A manger in the lowest place to show us that none of us are too low for his grace. So the uniqueness of his arrival testifies to who he is and what he was about. Could have been in a cathedral, a synagogue, a mansion with servants instead without a physician, without a midwife, without anything. He's born in the lowest place. Yet the Bible speaks of him, think about this, as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Isn't that interesting? The greatest provider of anything you could ask for, anything you could need, he is our provider, yet he's born in the lowest of places with nothing. I think this is what God is showing us, that salvation is more than just getting to heaven. Salvation deals with how we live right here on earth. He understands those who are struggling. He put himself in a situation where he can empathize and relate with those who are really wondering or trying to overcome something. Because he overcame all the persecution on this earth. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he shows us that we can live victorious lives here on earth by what he did on this earth himself. All the suffering, all the pain, everything he went through, even unto death, but he said, death cannot win. Death does not have a hold on me. God was sending a message in the way this story unfolds. At that birth, where there was really no celebration here on earth, 
Think about that. Now the angels are going to celebrate. We'll get to that in a minute. But while this emperor is sitting in his palace, reigning over the known world, believing that he is in control, awaiting the results of his census, he didn't realize the king of kings, the real Lord of Lords, was being born in a cave somewhere. And if you think about this, someone so significant, we mentioned this last week. I know a lot of you were not able to be here last week because of the weather. But we talked about the impact that Jesus had on this earth, so much so that even our calendar is based on his life here on this earth. We have before Christ and we have after death. He made such an impact. No one on this earth has ever made that kind of impact that the calendar would even be affected by when they were here. Yet Jesus, born away in a manger with no one around, no newspapers, no television, no media. It wasn't posted on Facebook. He didn't get all the officials together and pull them around and say, check it out, the Savior's being born. No, you know who they called out to? The shepherds. Simple shepherds out in a field. The guys who were considered unclean. The guys who had zero influence. The only thing that would follow them were sheep. They were outcasts. They were thieves. But Jesus came for the despised and the outcast. He came for those who needed a savior. And how many of you would be able to say today that you're a person who at one point in your life needed a savior? Can you say amen to that? Amen. We've all needed a savior at some point in our life, and he came. Now look at Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why did he go there? This is, tells us. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. This is the city of David. So he had to go where he was basically connected to. His family was the lineage of David. So he came to Bethlehem. But David was very well known in this time. Many people believed without David, Israel would not be. He was an Old Testament savior and deliverer. And what was David before he was ever king, before he was ever known as a great king? He was a simple shepherd. A shepherd king. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He had a heart of compassion and empathy. He came in order to protect the sheep. He came in order to help with the sheep. His sheep, that being us. Now shepherds, when watching the sheep, they didn't have fences to keep the sheep from running. And they didn't have fences in order to keep the predators from coming in. So at night, the shepherds would walk around the flock protecting the sheep. So the shepherds had to just circle the sheep. And verse 9 of our scripture, I don't know if you're able to throw that up there. Verse 9 through 12 tells us, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day the city of David, a Savior, there's that word, and here it comes next, who is Christ the Lord. 
the Lord of all, the, the most, once again, significant person in history is born in a manger. And he says, this will be the sign to you. you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. There it is, lying in a manger. He, like David, would be this shepherd king who would come. And I want you to look at what happens next in verse 13 and 14. Suddenly, this is where the celebration begins to happen. It's not from the earth. It's not because people knew. It's because God knew. And it says, suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. To these despised, rejected shepherds out in the middle of nowhere, all this multitude of angels and the heavenly hosts begin singing, Glory to God in the highest. They're praising this baby being born, this Savior, who was going to be different. He was going to be the new king of all kings, who brought peace like they've never known, and he was going to be the ruler of all rulers. Now we bring this back to earth when it says, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. What an incredible moment for these shepherds. And it all happened because God so loved the world that he gave. May you not miss that this morning. May you not miss that in this Christmas season that God loved you enough that he gave. That Jesus loved you enough he was willing to leave the throne as comfortable as he could have been right next to his heavenly father, right there with him. He left it all to become a man for you and for me. And God gave us a baby that would change everything. Never again would we worry if we had done things right to earn God's acceptance. Never again would we wonder if God loved us. Jesus' name alone signifies. His name was Yeshua. God saves. And he came for you and for me. All the questions of God's love were thrown out when Jesus came to this earth. If you have your Bibles, look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 4. It says, when the fullness of the time had come. You know what that means? At the perfect moment. Just exactly when God wanted it to happen. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Who are those who are under the law? That's you and me. That's us. That we might receive the adoption as sons. That's why he was born away in a manger. So that we... Like Jesus, who was the Son of God, could become sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. No other religious teacher in human history used the concept of Abba or Father in referring to God until Jesus came along. Jesus altered human history when he revealed to us the relationship we can have with our God. He even taught us how to pray. Our Father. Think about the relationship you have with your father, the closeness that you can have with a father. 165 times Jesus referred to 
to God as his father or our father throughout the Bible. So Jesus is God's son by nature, but just as this scripture just told us in Galatians chapter 4, the reason it happened away in the manger, the reason it happened for Jesus to come to this earth is so that we can be adopted as sons and daughters by grace. You see, adoption was common amongst the Romans and the Greeks. And what was interesting is that the adopted son was granted all the privileges of the natural son. And in the same way, you and I are granted all the privileges of Jesus Christ. Everything that he ever had because of his heavenly father, because of his father, God, we now have as sons and daughters of God. You may say, Chad, I didn't have that great of a relationship with my father. So I don't know what you mean when you say a closeness with your earthly father. Can I tell you, you have a heavenly father who knows you. You have a heavenly father who loves you. A heavenly father who will never leave you nor forsake you. And he loved you enough that it all began away in a manger. No crib for a bed. The king of kings and the Lord of lords was willing to humble himself and lay down his head. Become one of us. Can I tell you this morning, you have a father. Continue reading in Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Church, you are no longer a slave, but a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir of God through Christ. God's ultimate revelation of himself is through his son, Jesus. And it's pictured as Jesus becoming man and walking on this earth. And being willing to die for you and for me. And it all began. Away in a manger. Eternity was changed. Away in a manger in that moment. For the first time since the Garden of Eden, we had a way have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. I believe some of you in this room today, you need to know you have a Father, one who provides for you, one who loves you, one who would sacrifice his Son just for you. Can you bow your heads with me? God so loved the world that he gave so that you and I can have a father-son, father-daughter relationship with God. If you're here this morning and you say, Chad, I, I don't even know what that's like. Never really began that relationship with God. I've never really accepted Jesus into my heart. Or maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you've been a little disconnected from God. I'd love to pray with you this morning. So if that's you, could you just lift your hand? Say, will you pray with me? Anyone in this room? Okay, thank you. Anyone else? 
tell you this morning, God sees you and he knows your heart. He knows exactly where you are. I want you to all of us together to repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son to die for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I can have a relationship with you. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I would love to talk with you following the service. I'd love to spend a moment just talking to you about that relationship and how that can move from this moment forward. So if that was you, one of those that raised your hand, would you please come see my wife or myself? I'd love to chat with you. But in this moment, as we remain in this attitude of worship, we're going to worship God some more in just a moment. We want to give you the opportunity to receive communion. And as you do, can you do this this morning, remembering what Christ did away in a manger? No crib, no lights, no show. He came to this earth willing to live as you and I live, to suffer as you and I suffer, and to die so that we could be saved. Let's be grateful as we receive communion this morning. I encourage you to go now. You can go to any one of the four stations that we have placed. Actually, there's five. We put a new station right over here to try to help spread people out. We take a moment and just go and receive communion this morning. And we'll continue worshiping God.
born just a small child you were the king of kings and the lord of lords we thank you for your willingness to sacrifice your life for each one of us today we leave this place grateful for all that you have done May we adore you as Christ the Lord this morning. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week.